Layla, look who's come to join us. <laughs> Our friends. Is it, is it you again? What are you is doing it, here? Don't you have stuff to do? Is that stuff listening to a true crimes podcast? <laughs> listening to this tiny true crime podcast? But Tens you love it because it's authentic and off the cuff. Maybe, I don't know. And some of you might share DNA with us. Yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Or a home. Yeah. <laughs> so hello, all of you tens of viewers. Welcome back to Biopsychosocial. I am Jordan. I am still a registered nurse. And I'm Kayla. And as far as I know, I'm still a licensed professional counselor. You'd have to give refunds if you weren't. Yeah. That would yeah. be bad. Yes. Um, so today we are here to talk about Jeffrey Dahmer. And I elected, I think we should call the, this podcast Dahmer Not Donner. Because yeah, well, I, yeah. I used to get the Donner party and Jeffrey Dahmer confused <laughs> I mean, when I was a kid. They were both, there's cannibalism in both of those. Stories. And they both begin with a D. And they kind of sound alike. You know, the Donner party it was for survival, not because they wanted to. That's true. That's true. But I used to think it was Jeffrey Donner, and I used to think it was the Dahmer party. <laughs> so <laughs> he probably thought he was having a party. <laughs> I yeah, most losers typically do think they're fun at parties, and they're not. Correct. No, you're not fun at parties. Oh, we're already calling him a loser. So well, he is. He's a fucking loser. Was was still is. Spoiler alert: He's dead. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I want to start off with a couple of things because there's been obviously a lot of like discussion and controversy about this case recently because of the Netflix show. Correct. Where weirdly a lot of people are coming out and they're like, oh, you killed your man for him. Or like, I would have been his friend. Or like, he's hot, which is like, no, he's not. He would have eaten you. Mm -hmm. Let's just clear that up. So before we start with anything, I want to be very clear that this is a serial killer hate podcast. Yes. We hate serial killers. And we hope you do too. Um, and if you don't, this is probably not the right place for you. <laughs> and I was watching, I, like I said, I do not know much about Jeffrey Dahmer. I did not watch the Netflix documentary because my mother said it gave her anxiety and I just trusted her, which was, which was smart to do because I don't like watching shows that stress me out. The world is stressful enough. I needn't watch it. So I didn't know much about him. So I watched a real stories on YouTube just to get like a general idea. Mm-hmm. You know more about serial killers than I do. But I don't feel bad for this guy. No. And I mean, um, I think it's fine and acceptable to feel bad for them as children. So like, sure. I don't believe anything Jeffrey Dahmer says, but like, if, nope. if you believe what he said there, there was a dis- dysfunctional family and that's not fun for a child to be a part of a no. dysfunctional family union. So I feel bad, you know, like there are things, for example, like Richard Ramirez went through or Eileen Wuornos went through that are very sad and should not happen to anybody. However, that doesn't give you a good excuse to harm other people That's or even your yourself, really. Don't harm yourself. Yeah, you are a person. So, you know, I think up until the point where they've harmed another living being is when I stop feeling bad for them. Right. So the other thing I wanted to be really clear about, because I watched the 1994 interview by Stone Phillips with Jeffrey, his father, Lionel, and his mother. The hell was her name? I didn't write it down. I didn't write down names, actually. This episode. Joyce. Joyce. So I watched that, and I want to be really clear that whenever you watch, if ever, you watch an interview with a serial killer or someone who has murdered or um, is a criminal, you know, convicted criminal, assume that everything that they're saying is a lie or an exaggeration. 
because they have, especially in terms of a sociopath, which in my opinion, Jeffrey Dahmer was, their sense of self is so conflated that yeah. they, they're not grounded in reality. So yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to, to start with that. And typically, caveat. Any, typically when we tell a story about something we did wrong, we try to downplay it a little bit. Well, yeah, we're all the hero of Vers. our own story. Yeah. So, and we know our motivation. But these people in particular, like, um, I think uh, Ted Bundy's another really good example that he really wanted to make himself to be this anomaly that he wasn't. So like, I know, I, you know, I don't want to go too off track because I know we're not talking about him. But Sorry, like, not special. He, I think it came out that he, he was his, he thought it was his sister was actually his mother. So she gave birth to him when she was about 15 or 16. Mm-hmm. And this was at a, a time period in the the 50s or early 60s where, um, you know, that was very, extremely scandalous. Right. So they just pretended it was, um, his grandparents just pretended that he was their child. And he, in, in interviews, went on to say like, oh, that didn't affect me. Like, I was fine. Like, the fuck it didn't affect you. Come on. <laughs> it still didn't give you, that same thing happened to Jack Nicholson. And he never killed anybody that we know of. That we know of. Dated way younger women. Yeah, I mean, that was, that was, I would say, pretty common. It was pretty common, yeah. Yeah, because uh, there wasn't safe access to abortion. Sex education. Sex education, yes. Um, Birth control, yeah. Correct. Um, But people, people, alas, were still having sex, as you do, because... That's just what we do as people have sex, sometimes just for fun. Right. Uh, but this is, you know, this isn't, you know, it's an example of someone trying to pretend like, because I think Ted Bundy wanted everyone to believe that he came from this completely normal upbringing and that everyone in his family was lovely and caring. And that's such bullshit. Like, it's not true. Um, but you again, you can't believe anything he says because no. he's, he lo- he loved. Him. I mean, the man talked about himself in third person. He loved himself, so don't get it twisted. Dahmer about- was much more mild mannered. Yeah, and I think honestly, I think that part is partly because he's from the Midwest. <laughs> it could very well be. He's a, he's a square state person. He sure is. He's like one of those. I wrote this in my notes. He's like oh, he's like the people that you interview the neighbors, and they were like, oh yeah, he was just a normal guy. <laughs> Just like everybody else, he was very nice. I'm so surprised that he killed and dismembered and ate all those people. I know. He's one of those people. I mean, that's what his parents said. They were like, what? Which, I mean, I guess. It's not like you ever think that your children is going to commit such heinous acts, right? Like, even if you imagine your kid fucking up, you can't imagine them fucking up that (laughs) That bad. bad. (laughs) Right? So if you're watching this, you're like, you know, even if my kid screws up, they haven't eaten anybody yet. Yet. So, so this, so this Dahmer fella, not Jeffrey Donner, Dahmer, Dahmer, uh, he murdered 17 men over 13 years. That's, you know, more than, more than a man a year. And he cut him up, got sexual pleasure out of that. had sex with the dismembered body in various forms, um, in various states of dismemberment and proceeded to eat them. And the documentary that I watched was trying to do the whole nature versus nurture tag, which I can't stand. No, um, because it's always both. It's the nature and nurture. It's always both. Yeah. Unless you're raising a child in like an experimental environment, it's always going to be both. And that was definitely that was definitely the case with Jeff. Yeah, nature. We're, we're on a nickname basis. Jeff. Mm-hmm. Jeff. 
Uh, so there was yeah, mutilation, cannibalism, and necrophilia. So he was bright, he was witty, he was very pleasant to talk to, well-spoken, normal, you know, B-minus dude. I... Um, have, his, have his mugshot right there. Yeah, no, I really, I just really quickly uh, pulled up his Wikipedia page because I wanted to include like his his basic background information. So he was born May twenty first. A Gemini? Yeah, he's no. a Gemini. Gemini? No, he's a Gemini. Oh, really? I yeah. love Gemini's. Maybe a Gemini women, not men. I'm a Gemini. I mean, I'm chaotic as fuck. So it. Tra- Can you? Speaking of Gemini, is Luna a Gemini? Luna's a Gemini. Speaking of Gemini's, I think is it Luna? It's Luna. Someone's using the litter box right now. Again. And it's definitely passive so aggressive. He was, he was born May 21st, May 21st, 1960 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He was the first of two sons of Joyce Annette Nay Flint, mm-hmm. was her maiden name, who was a teletype machine instructor and Lionel Herbert Dahmer, a Marquette University chemistry student and later a research chemist. I believe he was a research... Was it, was it him or somebody else? Was No, that was somebody else. He was like a college dude. He was like a collegiate smart dude. Talks about his ancestry. We don't care. Nope. So yeah, he was 34 years old when he was apprehended in 1994, November 28th, 1994. Mm-hmm. It's, this is funny. In the beginning of this article, it says he was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, schizotypal personality disorder, and a psychotic disorder. Uh, you can't have multiple personality, dis- like different personality disorder mm-hmm. diagnoses. It's pick one. But that might have been because he was like interviewed and analyzed by multiple different individual psychologists, psychiatrists. He was found to be legally sane at his trial, though. Yes, he was. I believe, I don't want to scroll through this whole thing, but I believe his first murder was when he was 18 years old. He, it was. It is in my notes. See, uh, 16. No, uh, no, the person he killed was 16. He was 18. Yeah. I was going to distinguish the difference between a psychopath and a sociopath, but like, I don't really care at the end of the day what the difference is. This is like a big debate that people have in the true crime community. If you're really interested, Hannah from Red Handed, the Red Handed podcast, knows she's she's had episodes where she goes into detail about the difference. And I, the first time I heard her start talking about it, I rolled my eyes. But the girl had facts. Like, she okay. had research. So she knows. Um, that's a good resource if you're ever curious. But um, what I'm familiar with is antisocial personality disorder. So I suppose you would call it a sociopath. And those are individuals who have like a complete disregard for the safety of others. They either don't care about or aren't aware of social mores. They don't like Mm -hmm. have the same morals as the rest of us or anything like that. Not every sociopath is a criminal. Not every criminal Mm -hmm. is a sociopath. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of the time in these cases, especially with serial killers, they could be classified as someone with antisocial personality disorder. And it's, you know, these are people who take advantage of other people, again, because they don't have that moral code that the rest of us are able to absorb. They can't for some reason. Mm -hmm. That's usually, you know, when you have a personality disorder, it's something that is usually a defense mechanism that develops in childhood because of repeated exposure to trauma. Uh, There's some theories that sociopaths don't bond with their primary caregiver in the same way that the rest of us do. Um, So there's no... Well, I don't want to go too far into it because I can can go on and on and on and on and on about this, but... So, like, if you're ever, um, if you know about attachment theory, mm-hmm. and attachment theory is how we, how we learn to relate to the world based on how our primary caregivers care for us in the beginning of life, they learn that they they can't rely on yeah, the so. world 
to provide anything because of how their care giver acted. Usually it's because they have a, um, a mental illness or they're, um, using drugs or substances or something like that. So there's no attachment formed and yeah. the personality disorder develops thusly. That's the end of my <laughs> and rant. So Jeffy. Yep. Jeffrey. When I was Jeffrey. in preschool, I had a crush on a boy named Jeffrey and I would come home and just go, Jeffrey, Jeffrey, Jeffrey. <laughs> you are already annoyed with him. <laughs> You're already perturbed with him. Yeah. I did write down that he was uh, born in Bath, Ohio. Bath? Bath. Hmm. Take a bath, Ohio. And uh, that his parents had a relationship. They really did. <laughs> I wrote relationship. Yes. This whole interview with poor Stone Phillips, there's some triangulation happening, which is when two members of a family or a couple bring in another person to like bounce things off of. It's usually a child. But um, yeah, they're bringing him in and they're like, you can tell my husband. And Stone Phillips and is like, like, I, I will don't not want do, to. No, I, I will not do nothing of the sort. <laughs> Stone is like, I am done. And no, I don't get paid enough for this shit. So yeah, so Jeffrey Dahmer, his parents hated each other. You know, when he was six or seven, he started dismembering dead animals. And we have already been over the McDonald triad and we're not going down that hill again. Well, because it's bunk. It's bunk. Um, And I don't, I also don't think he had said in this interview that he, in the ninth grade, brought home a fetal pig that they dissected in science class. And he took it home and was kind of examining it further. And that particular science class had sparked his interest in examining like the inner workings of a living being yeah which in and of itself i don't think is, is necessarily a bad thing no. depending on where you're sourcing your organic matter right so like exactly. if we're killing small animals in order to look at their insides that's a problem yes. but if we're picking up roadkill which he did which is what he did yeah or animals that are already dead yeah and kind of i don't think it's that weird it's not i don't think it is either he had interest in you know macabre things and bones and i don't think that's strange either because you and i have macabre interests right and isolated you know, right. on its own without any more context. <laughs> like, if he never ended up a serial killer, we might be like, well, that's kind of a strange hobby, but whatever you but do. But whatever you do, you know, makes you happy. It can't be that bad. Um, but with context, it's very disturbing. Exactly. There's biologists. There's, you know, sure. people that I mean, teach he, anatomy class in high school. You know, you, you have to have some sort of interest in right. that. And I mean, in, in, in college classes, some people, when they take anatomy and physiology, take apart a cadaver like you get your own human cadaver yeah and you look at how they work and that's how you learn you know or, or doctors who are continue doing continuing education yeah you know so for example if you're trying to learn how to do surgery on a brain you might get a, a somebody's severed head where you yeah. do or just their brain i've dissected I, in college i had to dissect a cat which was a roughy but yeah, I still had to dissect an animal. Um, I had to dissect a, I think it was a cow's heart, uh, sheep's brain. Yeah, I dissected brains and hearts and yeah, and dead animals. And I, it's and I, it's interesting. I, it's just it's just something that you it's just right. something that you have to do. I think one of the differences, and um, if anybody listening is interested, there's a book called Stiff by Mary Roach, which is about um, the bodies. What happens to bodies after people donate them to science? Mm-hmm. And when I was reading through the section about cadavers, like we just talked about, she said that a lot of medical students become attached to their cadavers. And even though you never know their name because it's mm-hmm. a private information, sometimes they go so far as like to hold funerals for them when they're done. It's true. Yeah, it's, it's true. You spend a lot of time with 
a person. And they might nickname them like this is Joe, my cadaver, you know? Yeah, it's and I'm a big proponent of even when some, you know, when I would when I would do postmortem care or, you know, care for a dead body, I still talk to them. Right. It's still a human. It's still a human. You still but that's respect the it. Yeah, difference that's the difference. That this yeah. piece of it was missing for Jeff. It was it's missing for people like Ted Bundy. It's mm-hmm. not there like it is for the rest of us. Right. Like last episode, we talked about if I ever found a dead body in the woods, I would sit with it thinking like this was a human once and I don't want them to be alone. Like right. that would be my my first thought. But that piece is missing for sociopaths. When I would do a note after somebody had died at work, it would always bother me when I would talk about, you know, so-and-so was found to have no pulse, no da-da-da. You know, I would refer to them as the patient's name. And then I would have to switch to saying the body. The body was, you know, transported to such and such funeral home. That was always bothersome to me because it goes from being a human, which you, you, a human a lot of times that I knew for a good deal of time when I did hospice. And then they were a body, an object. And then they were an object, a body because there was no, because it had to be precise language. I couldn't say, you know, so and so was transported to the funeral home. Well, no, a a dead body was transported to the funeral home. So it, it, yeah. So for there, there is some connection to, to personhood when you're mm-hmm. dealing with even um, a corpse or a mutilated corpse. And in the last episode, we talked about how they painstaking, how the CSI investigators were so careful and painstaking mm-hmm. when finding the remains of Kaylee Anthony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, back to, back to Jeff. So in this interview, Stone Phillips noted that, oh, Jeff is unnervingly normal. That's like, sir, what did you expect? What like, did, you, did think? you expect him to come in with like a fucking machete and be like, like like to come at him or something like now to be honest he is very flat he does not express any emotion Mm -hmm. he is very monotone that's what stood out for me what also stood out for me is that well whenever jeff so his father is sitting next to him lionel sitting next to him during Mm -hmm. this interview and whenever his father would address him or he would respond to his father he would not make eye contact Hmm. He made eye contact with Stone Phillips, but he would not look his father in the eyes. Really? Mm -hmm. Watching this was like watching family therapy for me. It was so fascinating. (laughs) I should have watched that. I love watching people interact. You should be a family therapist. I don't want to be. Trust me, I get a lot of that done. Neither do I. Well, in nursing, you you deal with families a lot. Yes. So I I get my fix. Trust me. Yeah, the way people interact with each other is fabulous. I have, you know... I'll get to it. I'll get to it. But I have thoughts on why he might not have made eye contact with his dad. And it's what what stuck out to me in this case is the power is power dynamic, power dynamic and control. Mm-hmm. Because getting getting into high school. So this was a guy that he was bullied. He was probably he was one of those kids that you call like one of the weirdos. He would pretend to have seizures in public. Yes, actually. So there was a first it was a comic book. Yeah, I saw that one of Jeffrey Dahmer's classmates who's friends with him in high school called My Friend Dahmer, which was eventually made into a movie with I always forget his name. Um, But the guy who played Harvey in Sabrina, the chilling adventures of Sabrina plays Jeffrey Dahmer, which is such a jarring difference. Because <laughs> he seems like such a doofy guy, like a sweet doofy guy. I'm sure he, he plays is. like a serial killer. But anyways, yeah, I mean, it's based off of these real actual interactions that his friends had with yeah. him, which... I think I think he was bullied, but he socially he didn't 
do that poorly. Like he had a set of friends that yeah. would invite him to things and do things with him and stuff like that. Like he got, he, yeah, he had a stone cold pack of weirdos probably. Yeah. Which is fine. Like yeah. We didn't pretend to have seizures in public really. No. No. He was, yeah. So he was physically, emotionally bullied by like the popular guys, which so, yeah. Yep. You were the weird dude in high school. You got bullied by the jocks. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you, but in the club. Yep. Um, he started substance abuse in high school, mm-hmm. so probably stunted his emotional development there, Which, if there was any. I think both parents had substance abuse yes. issues. And the parents got divorced and left. <laughs> like, the dad had already, yeah, uh, Lionel had already moved out, and Joyce, they got divorced, and Joyce split, leaving Jeffrey, like, by himself in oh, the house. yeah. By the time he turned 18, I think he was living on his own. In this economy... In the, well, in the, well, I was, I always think this is in the 70s, but it's I do not. Too. This is like the, well, he turned 18 if he was born in when? 1960. 1960? So 1978. Yeah, so late 18. 70s, early 80s. In that economy, my parents bought their first house for like $68,000. Imagine so. being like, you know what? We're just going to leave this house. Are right. you kidding me? I'm not leaving the doorknobs. Exactly. Are you kidding me? Exactly. In this economy? Um, that like stuck out to me. I think I wrote in this economy in my notes. I sure did. And he was, you know, still mutilating animals. I guess they went on a fishing trip and he ripped apart the fish to see what it looked like. And the dad was like, we were going to eat that, but okay. Okay. All right. Go on, Jeff. Oh, and he went to, he started, he started going to funeral homes. Oh. Yeah. He went to a funeral home to view the corpse of a young man that died in a motorcycle accident. So it had to be a pretty mutilated corpse because, you know, the ground... I can't Doesn't imagine move. it was an open casket. No, he went to the funeral home. He didn't go to the funeral. He went, he like. Oh, I thought you were saying he like crashed a funeral or something like that. I don't think he really crashed a funeral. I think they're kind of just open. Yeah. So like he showed up and was like, I'm Bob's friend from work. So and sorry. So sorry. <laughs> good game. Good game. Good game. Good game. Um, we all he know. He was just looking at the guy in the casket like, nice. No, he likes, I don't know if he like talked his way backstage to the funeral uh, at the funeral home. And then he saw the mutilated dead body got aroused and had to masturbate in the funeral home bathroom. As which you do. As you do. I mean, if, it, if that's happened at that funeral home once, it's happened a thousand times. He, yeah, he said that from the age of 15, he started having fantasies about kidnapping a hitchhiker and raping them, drugging them and raping them. And um, he admits himself during this mm-hmm. interview that it was about power and control. Yep. Like that was where the fantasy came from because he felt very powerless at home. So he had at at least that much insight. But I did want to talk, too, about because this is such a a big piece of this case about sexual Mm non-concordance. So Emily Nagoski has a book called Come As You Are, and it's about women's sexuality. And I have that downloaded on on my Audible. It's a good book. Um, She's a fantastic teacher. And so non-concordance is when the the body becomes aroused, but the brain... disagrees with the arousal so for example like she uses the example in her book of her friend Mm -hmm. at a college her male cisgender friend Mm -hmm. at a college party yep coming down the stairs getting ready to leave Mm -hmm. noticing lots of people are passed out you know as they are at a college party he walks in on his friend raping an unconscious (gasps) girl and he's like uh we gotta go um and what happens for him is that he becomes aroused because in the face of something like that, your genitals don't have context. No. So they're like, oh, this is something sexual. So sex is she, happening. She uh-huh. uses the analogy of a restaurant. Like 
there's food here. This must be a restaurant. But the brain has context. Yeah. So her friend in this situation became aroused and immediately became very ashamed of that because he had this split second understanding that this was something that was very, very wrong and shouldn't be happening. Yeah. But he, because it was wrong, he was ashamed of himself and just wanted to leave. For someone like Jeffrey, who lives outside the morality and understanding of morality that the rest of us have in a society, he may come across something like that and not, his brain doesn't give his body the context of this is wrong. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't be getting aroused by this because he says, um, there were periods of time in my life where violence and, and sex or sexual arousal intermingled, which is true, which is the case for a lot of serial killers that um, are sexually motivated. You know, there, there's just this pairing of the two that I'm just going to say for normal people, because I don't feel bad saying that in this context. No. Um, for normal people, we don't become attached to those things because we're so grossed out by them, like we're so averse to them Mm -hmm. that we're able to distance ourselves and almost like retrain our brains or like if we can't we go to therapy or whatever it may be Mm -hmm. but we don't feel good about it we don't feel fine with it but he didn't care (laughs) he did not have that context or that understanding that like raping someone or killing someone and and having sex with their corpse or eating them is not something that is okay to feel sexual about like that's not that's not a sexual orientation. That's not that's okay. Not. <laughs> it's that, you know, and, and the sad thing was, is that he also was too afraid to talk to his parents about the fact that he was gay, yeah, which is the it. only piece of this that's acceptable. <laughs> like, that's it's, fine. It's okay to be gay. It is not okay. To, if you get nothing else from this podcast, it is okay to be gay. It is not okay to eat people. Right. That is. That's I, like a basic social understanding. Yes. And I and, and even, you know, all of the politics aside, like, everyone is safe, sane, and consenting socially, morally. That's fine. Regardless of who it is or what the context is, as long as everyone's okay with it, it's fine. But no one was okay with anything that was happening in this situation. Correct. Except Jeff. Yes. So, um, so, so Jeff, a real go-getter, made his fantasy come true. He killed a hitchhiker. He wanted to find a sexy hitchhiker, and he did. So he killed um, a 16-year-old male um, who was hitchhiking to a festival. Again, this was the late 70s, early 80s. Everybody did it. You yeah. did it. Until it became illegal. At yeah. some, because so many people became more hurt. Yes. They got drunk. He tried to leave. There was a struggle. He killed him with a dumbbell and then dismembered him. I, um, I took a note of... He was talking to Stone Phillips about the first person that he killed... And he said, I put drugs in a man's drink and was just going to spend the night with him. So I was listening to the language that he was using to describe both the situation and, and the individual. Mm-hmm. He does not use the individual's name at all. No. And that was, this was one of the things I told you I was going to do some more research and then got too lazy in terms of which victim this was that he's talking about. Yeah. My note says also this this guy, like he says this guy, mm-hmm. like I said, uh, you had his name bro. I'm positive it was brought up during the trial. Like, you know the fucking guy's name. Don't don't try to kid us. Yes, yeah, you know who. Yeah, you. I don't try to do that self-important shit with me. Oh, what was their name? You know what their name was, right? I got sent to you a million times on a witness stand, buddy. Right. Actually, you waived your rights, but hmm, waived rights to an attorney. Anyway, um, idiot. Which I mean, it made it. Listen, it made this end a lot quicker. Yeah. So he disposed of the body, dismembered the body, put it in a bunch of garbage bags, 
and then got pulled over for a freaking traffic violation while he was disposing of the body. And um, he was throwing the remains in the woods and the cop's like, what you got back there? And he's like, garbage. And the cop was like, carry on, sir. The cops are like the secondary villains (laughs) in this. They're the secondary antagonists in this story. It's true. It's true because it doesn't end here. Um, in the in the one taxi cab driver, <laughs> I'll get there. Okay. So Dahmer. All right. So nine years. Nine years happens, and in those nine years, Jeffrey Dahmer goes to college, flunks out, goes to the get goes to the army, and gets kicked out. Sir, look at your life. Look at your choices. Right. Exactly. Sir, look at it's your. It's pretty life. hard to get kicked out of the military. It sure is. They need you. It sure is. I was going to um, say they need bodies, but I don't want. <laughs> And anyone. But I said it. I just said it. (laughs) Yep. And then he moved to Florida, as you do, because what's... Florida man. College. (laughs) Army. Florida. (laughs) And can't get kicked out of Florida. It is where you go. He's the OG Florida man. He's OG Florida man. He sure is. And then he went to Florida and found Jesus while living with his grandmother. You know what? Um, Ted Bundy also spent a lot of time in Florida. I'm just... I'm not not going to say it, but you know what I'm trying to say. Don't go to Florida is what we're trying to say here, people. Don't go to Florida. The next Ted Bundy is there. So (laughs) I love my notes sometimes. I'm just going to read this out loud to you. Then he moved to Florida, as you do, found religion while living with grandma and avoided gay stuff. That's that's literally what happened. He went to Florida to avoid his homosexuality. Yeah, in this interview, at some point... Oh, and then he got offered a blowjob in a library, and then it all went to shit. And he couldn't resist. Who could? Who could resist a, f- a library book? <laughs> you can read a book. You can read a book. <laughs> you can read a book. You can wa- listen to an, an audio tape. <laughs> With the earphones on. You can smell the smell of books. You know, it just seems ideal. That's like... That's, that's a next level shit. I was going to say that's sexual concordance, right? Like, the, I smell books and I am aroused. <laughs> I smell books and I am aroused. <laughs> I love... And good... Who... Who I wanted I want an interview with the guy that walked up to Jeffrey Dahmer in a library and was like blowjob. I would that's if you need if man looks like plain oatmeal. <laughs> <laughs> I tell nothing to write home about. No, but no personality like what? personality of a wet mop. Um <laughs> Also, if that guy is not, you know, like when you have to do those horrible icebreakers, yes. if that guy's like, if that guy is not walking around <laughs> saying, I offered Jeffrey Dahmer a blowjob in a library, he's really not. Yeah. Don't be telling us about, you know, your, you know, your, how you love knitting your and chin, you have your three chin, cats. And <laughs> your, your chinchilla named George. You're really burying the lead there, sir. So speaking of religion, at one point speaking- in this... This one point in this interview, I I quoted this because I thought it was really fascinating. He says, quote, if a person doesn't believe there's a God to be accountable to, then what's the point of modifying your behavior to keep it in acceptable ranges? I want you to, to marinate on that for a second. So according to Jeffrey Dahmer, who is the pinnacle of morality, <laughs> if there's no God to be accountable to, no God to be accountable to, why do anything socially acceptable? Like, literally telling us that the only thing, well, it didn't end up keeping him from killing me, yeah. but the only only thread that kept him hanging on was God. Sky Santa Claus? So, which, you know, you can 
obviously you have morals even if you're not religious. Like most Correct. Of us too. And you could have no morals even if you are religious. Correct. Correct. There's a lot of those. Sure are. So so after the, the library blowjob, mm-hmm. or I don't know if it was an offer or an actual blowjob, mm-hmm. but anyway, it still set it still set things into motion. Okay. He started embracing the gay shit again and hanging out in bathhouses, which which was a which was a place in the eighties. I went to a bathhouse when I was in uh, Budapest. Really? They have Rome, the Roman baths there. Yeah. But it's like, it, it's not like what I'm imagining Jeffrey Dahmer went to. This bath house, I don't even know if you'd call it that. It was just the yeah. Roman baths. It was like three different outdoor pools. Okay. One was hot, one was medium, and one was cold. Who goes in the and cold then one? They had, they had an indoor pool and like saunas and stuff like that. Okay. But there were a lot of unattractive men in speedos. That's what I remember. Oh, thank you. Ugh. So he was drugging people in bathhouses. And I wrote this in my notes. He was a soul top. A soul top. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He didn't want. Yeah. He just wanted to. He just wanted to give. He just wanted to be a top. He never wanted to be a bottom. Which is fine. Just find a bottom. Right. Who's consenting and conscious. Yes. That you didn't drug and you have no intention of eating. <laughs> And then the, the the bathhouse committee all got together and was like, nah, dude. They so kicked him out. He got banned from bathhouses. You got banned. So, so far, sir, you have been banned from bathhouses. You have banned. You flunked out of college and you have been banned from the military. And probably banned from that library. <laughs> they were like, sir, you said you were using this room to study. What's happening? Sir, this is a library. <laughs> Quiet. This is a library. Yeah. <laughs> so he had to move to hotels to get his top sex done. Okay. Okay. So, oh, and this is where, all right. So he got blackout drunk and killed his sexual sex partner and folded him up into a suitcase. Oh. Yes. And he left the hotel, made a bellhop help him drag the suitcase body, and then got into a cab. And the cab driver hauled oh. the bat hauled it into the trunk and the poor cab driver makes the dad joke. Well, you got a body in here. And Jeffrey Dimmer goes, yep. And they both laugh the laugh of oatmeal white men. Oatmeal white men. Ha 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 ha. Yes. So from 1987 to 1991, Kayla and I were born most importantly. Mm -hmm. And Jeffrey Dahmer killed 16 men. Busy man. Um, in August of 88, he killed four men. Just in August? Just in August. Busy month in August. Apparently there was nothing else to do. He couldn't go to a nice musical festival. And the fifth victim escaped. Was this the, the boy? 13-year-old boy, sure was. Escaped and he got arrested for essaying um, a 13-year-old boy and was sentenced to a minimum security prison. One year. Which would not fly. Nowadays. No. Even, I mean, and I mean, like, within the prison unit. No, they, no, he'd be deadest. Yeah, be if dead. they found out that you sexually assaulted a child, you, mm-hmm. you, well, I mean, that's what ended up happening to him anyways, but... It's true. Yeah, you wouldn't make it, even in minimum security. Correct, yeah. You would at least get your ass beat. God, yes. And we don't condone violence, but we, we would also throw well, some I money mean, in your commissary. It's, again, <laughs> going back going back to the same talk, Just topic kidding. of social morality, and I understand, yeah. like... Criminals and morality don't necessarily align. However, in minimum security prison, it's usually petty crimes. Yeah. 
But anyways, um, there's still that code because of that social understanding, that morality, there's that code. Don't hurt women, don't hurt children. Exactly. Yeah. Which just the consequences are much higher than they are in standard society outside of prison. Kind of, sort of, yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, I don't mean like by the justice system. I mean by the prisoners. No, that's what I mean. No, but that's what I mean. But I feel like if somebody beat up a kid, I think even somebody who wasn't incarcerated would beat the shit out of somebody who beat beat up a kid. Maybe not kill them, but would definitely have not any qualms about beating them up. Right. I'm not a condoner of violence, but I, I can see where that I can I can get around that. His attorney actually didn't know he murdered anybody either. He didn't tell his attorney. No. Idiot. <laughs> Always be honest with your attorney. Well, he wasn't on trial for murdering anybody. Oh, yeah. But I feel like you should probably still tell them because if it comes up in trial, they need to know about that beforehand. Okay. Your defense attorney is not there to like tell on you. They need to know the whole truth so that they can fight for your right to a fair trial. That's true. There. I mean, nobody was getting this guy off for anything. At God, any no. Point in his life. God, no. Um, and apparently he, uh, Dahmer made a plea for leniency and showed remorse or pretended to show remorse. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Pretending. That's the other thing about sociopaths is that they're fantastic chameleons. Oh yeah. He got out of prison. He went back to gay bars. Apparently he was only banned from the bathhouses and got, got a lot of, Got a lot of ass, got laid a lot. And he was lucky with men. And not all of his victims, he didn't kill all of his, he didn't kill all of his sexual partners, which this was, this was in the 19, mid 1980s. Mm -hmm. He was wheeling and dealing. He gave no fucks, did he? I wonder if he had HIV. Or if he was HIV positive. I don't know. I was going to bring up the fact that um, he's what's known as a disorganized killer. So the FBI categorizes based on, oh, I forgot what that guy's name is, what researcher it was that came mm-hmm. up with this. I feel like his last name was Haywood. There's organized and disorganized serial offenders. Mm-hmm. So Jeff was considered a disorganized killer. And that's usually someone who has dysfunction in the family growing up, low IQ, um, and they're characterized by being very opportunistic. So where, so like, for example, to juxtapose using the same example again, um, Ted Bundy was an organized serial killer. He was very intelligent. He was very um, manipulative. He was able to, like I said, chameleon. He was able to trick people. He kind of, they would be the kind of killer who would like scope out their victims' lives before attacking them. Whereas oh, yeah. Someone like Jeffrey Dahmer was like, there's a hot guy. I feel the urge to kill. It's him tonight. It's not like there's no planning. There's no. no. And that's not to say, you know, it's like a, because there's no planning. There's like innocence there. No. <laughs> it's like, it's just like, moment. oh yeah, that's right. There's still a decision to harm someone. Sure. Yeah. Ted Bundy had spreadsheets. He did. Yeah. He, mm. Did he really? No, he didn't. I'm just kidding. No. Yeah. Oh, Ted before Excel. <laughs> yeah. He would have. And so he liked to have sex with the bodies. He packed the bodies on ice in his tub if he had to work during the week just to keep them fresh for the weekend so he we can have more time to play. Like get a sex doll. I know. They probably existed back then. Yeah. The bl- I'm fucking sure. Like, I'm not trying to minimize anything that happened. Or have sex with raw meat. Like, whatever. It's just, we are so far separated from this frame of mind that it just doesn't, we can't make sense of it. No. Have sex with a rib, have sex with, with like a raw pot roast or something. Who cares? Nobody's, yeah, nobody's there to judge you. You live alone. I know. Probably an, probably a loser. (laughs) 
coming from someone who lives alone. You're not a loser. Probably some antibiotics, but mm, if you're having yeah. sex with raw meat. But st- yeah, don't hurt anybody. You don't need to kill somebody to have sex with me. To have sex with me. <laughs> I'm going to put that on my shirt. You don't need to kill someone to have sex with me. Meat. There's a bio, biopsychosocial out of context. <laughs> you don't have to kill somebody to have sex with meat. He would, yeah, so he would pack the ice on bodies. He'd pose the bodies and take pictures of them, of the yeah, dismembered flayed. Polaroids and stuff like that. He's such a fucking hipster. Had sex with the dismembered bodies, and then he ate the bodies. He seared them and made cooked them with sides. He said during his Stone Phillips interview that he ate people with the intention of sticking with them forever. And I was like, has this man ever heard of excretion? I was going to say, I'm like, you're you're going to stick with them for a couple of days, Max. Yeah, exactly. That's weird. No, I think you just ate them because you wanted to eat them. Well, it was another piece of power over. It know? was, yes. And his victims were a lot of times homosexual, more homosexual males and younger than him. And men of color. And men of color. I was about to say, yep, that too. Yeah, I think he felt very powerless. Mm-hmm. Which is why he couldn't look at his dad. He felt less than, probably because he was a gay man, which does not make you less than. Thank you very much. Unless you say it makes you less than. Oh, and then he tried to make zombies. Right. Yeah. He didn't really. He mentioned that so flippantly in this interview. That yeah. He really didn't go into any depth about. I mean, I think it was yeah. a further uh, sense of like having power over someone because he really wanted to make these mindless sex zombies that would just do. Which is like, dude, BDSM. That's your answer, man. Like. That's consensual, you know, consensual non-consent is a thing. Right. And then boundaries and you have to have a discussion. But that would imply that he had to, you know, give up, relinquish some sort of power. Right. If there was like a safe word. Yeah. Safe word. And that somebody else besides him was enjoying it. Right. Yeah. This, yeah. It was a drill. He was trying to drill a hole in somebody's head and pour acid into the hole. Mm -hmm. Tried to do that to a 14 year old child. And again, not really the brightest crayon in the box. Here. No. And he tr- and said child uh, tried to escape and was found by two girls who called the cops. Dahmer told the cops that he was drunk. The patient, the kid was drunk. Yeah. I mean, in the Netflix series, because this is, I think this is the episode I watched up until. And this particular incident in this case is the most disturbing to me because yeah. this was a little boy. Yeah. That in the series, which of course is not reality, but he, you know, he says to the cops, like, oh, this is my boyfriend. Like, this is gay stuff, guys. You don't want to know about it was kind of like the, which honestly, I, I think that's probably why the police just kind of let it go. Yeah. They're like, oh, that's what them gays do. Yeah. So the, the police officers bring this little boy back to Jeffrey and put, Mm -hmm. put the child in his custody. And I think the kid was like drugged or something right he tried no he was the one that he tried they tried to he tried to zombify um so we jeffrey ended up killing him um what else people were uh people were trying complaining about the stink in his apartment uh and then finally one of his victims got away Mm -hmm. tracy edwards um escaped from Dahmer's custody and he had one pair of handcuffs he had handcuffs half on and they went back to Dom. He went to the cops and the cops went back to Dahmer's apartment to go get the co- the keys. Are you kidding me? There's like, you got no way to get these off otherwise. Right. Like we, you can't use your handcuff keys. I'm pretty sure it's similar. If it's not the same. Just cut them off. Also like cops don't know how to lock pick. How sad is that? Sad. 
And like, what's the point of being a cop if you don't let out a lockpick? And and uh, Dahmer clearly didn't have the keys. He never let anybody out of them. Right. Um, so they go to his apartment. They find pictures of dismembered bodies, a skinned human. And they're like, oh, we really need to arrest you. And he's arrested. They're like, so this is a Wendy's. They found a dismembered head in his fridge with a, can- with a container of baking soda and condiments. So if that is not a testament to how well baking soda works to keeping your fridge fresh, I don't know what is. Um, so he signed away his rights to an attorney and sang like a canary. He was found to be fit to stand trial. He knew what he was doing and simply did not care and kept doing it over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in 1992, he was sentenced to life in prison, um, a maximum security prison. I think he was given like 900 years or some, some, some. Which number. for those of you, if you don't live in the United States or even like if you don't know about that sort of sentencing, when someone is given 900 years or X, you know, over 100 years, it's not because we think they're going to live that long or that. Like when I was little, I thought that that meant you were going to still serve a sentence after you died, like in hell or something like that. <laughs> that was a Catholic upbringing. It's because if you appeal, even if you get time taken off of your sentence, you still now you have to somehow come back from 600 years, which is you're never going to get out. Yeah. You're going to be in jail. For so it's just a way of ensuring nobody, that this person never leaves prison, essentially. Exactly. He got Jesus-y again in jail. He got baptized. And the, you know, the preacher man that baptized him yeah. was on the was on the show I watched. Was he? Yeah. God. He was like, he was a friend. And I'm like, sir. Yeah, he, he goes all religious in this interview, too. And he says, <laughs> at one point, he's, he states that he believes evolution is a lie. I'm like, okay. And you people still stand him. Like, there are still people that think he's great. He murdered people. You're fine with that. He, you think he's hot for some reason. He's not. You f- feel bad for his upbringing for some reason. Don't. Right. No. But, and he doesn't believe in evolution. All of those things. That you're Girl, you will not fix him. <laughs> right. And he isn't into you. He's gay. And he, dead. He would eat you. He would eat you. So, lo and behold, Chris Scarvo, an inmate that had schizophrenia, killeth him with a barbell, which is ironic. Yeah, I mean, I I think that there's a lot of speculation. I don't think anybody ever kind First of all, I don't think anyone came out and talked about it. Second of all, I don't think anyone really fucking cared what actually happened. Because everyone was fine with this man being murdered. But I think there was some speculation that the corrections officers put Jeffrey and what was this guy's name? Um, Chris Scarbo. Chris. Chris. Jeffrey Chris. the same uh, room at the same time, knowing that Scarbo right, mm-hmm. had, didn't like Jeffrey and, yeah. and had these delusions and things like that. Yeah. So they kind of mm-hmm. knew that something would happen mm-hmm. and put them in a position where something would happen. Yeah. And another inmate sense. was killed in the process as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they said, Jeff- and they said he had no defensive wounds. He kind of just let it happen. He figured it was a matter of time. Um, so we got his head bashed in by a barbell. Fine. And then like the end of the interview, I got, I got bored because people were like, oh, he was tragic. I'm like, not really. He's also just very boring to listen to him talk because he's so monotone. And yeah. So he, he has no emotional expression. Yep. Um, and his mother asked that his brain be removed and studied. 
and there was no abnormality, you're not really going to find a hell of a lot. And you find it's like folding of the brain and smoothing of the brain if somebody has dementia or Alzheimer's, or you can see damage to the brain if somebody has a traumatic brain injury. But Right, and there's one theory that this sort of criminality comes from um, a, a traumatic brain injury in childhood. Sure. Um, this was not the case for him. He no. had some sort of, he had a hernia when he was a kid. <clears throat> he went in for a couple of surgeries. And his dad had mentioned that he, when he went into the surgeries, he was very worried that they were going to cut off his penis, even though that was like not, they weren't going in that area at all. Mm -hmm. He was very, very concerned about that. There's a lot of, in this interview, there's a lot of, aside from the triangulation of poor Stone Phillips, where he had to get (laughs) in the middle of mom and dad. Of the weird Dahmer family Thanksgiving. There was a lot of... Have you ever seen that Spider-Man meme where there's three Spider-Men and they're all pointing fingers at each other? That's what it felt like. Um, Everybody wanted to pass the book on to the next person. And um, even Jeffrey himself is like, he was getting all fired up about the fact that people blamed his parents. And he was like, I think that's a cop out and my parents aren't bad people. He was very defensive. Like, okay, you're defending your family, but it's okay for you to fucking kill people and traumatize their families. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, I don't, that, I don't, I also don't think it was Lionel or um, Joyce. Joyce. I don't think it was, it's, it was, it's not their responsibility once their child is an adult to no, make sure that he doesn't make, harm people. Like, no, that's not their It's not gig. their fault. Yeah. They're not responsible for his murders. That's not how this works. However, there was so much dysfunction in this family mm-hmm. that you can't say that that didn't contribute to his. I'm sure it did. His, whatever you want to call it. I don't want to call it a mental illness because I think that's a cop-out. I do too. But yeah, Jeffrey's like, eh, it's a cop-out. So <laughs> you're a cop-out. You're a cop-out. So, you know, you have that, if we're talking about nature versus nurture, you've got the nurture piece here is the environment that he grew up in. Yeah. And now mom has bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. She was mentally ill. She was dealing with mental illness while he was growing up. She also, dad alleges that she was had a seizure disorder. And so they would, you know, she would have a seizure, they would call an ambulance and they would give her injectable like barbiturates and stuff like that while she was pregnant with Jeffrey. Hmm. And again, they try to say like, oh, that that's just speculation. We don't know that that did anything, which maybe you didn't know that in 1994, but it does. You know, it, yeah. it, some medications should not be taken during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And typically a doctor won't prescribe them or give you something else to take. Right. But in the 1960s, you know, people were still getting thalidomide. Right, exactly, which causes deformation. Horrible deformations, yeah. It's actually an oral chemotherapy now. So there's that. And then another thing. So Lionel, I almost said Lionel Richie. Lionel Dahmer, Lionel Richie did not have anything to do with No, Lionel Richie, he is still dancing on the ceiling. He, uh, so Lionel Dahmer wrote a book about Jeffrey after Jeffrey was incarcerated. And one thing I found funny was that Jeffrey was like, I stayed up all night reading this book. I was like, oh, shocking. You wanted to stay up all night reading something about, about yourself. You? Why would you read a book so that, surprised. about you? You know what happened. So surprised that you're so into yourself that you want to do that. Oh. And at some point in the book, his father talks about how he, Lionel, when he was younger, was he daydreamed about committing murder and had an obsession with fire and explosions. Again, Lionel, we already disproved the McDonald triad. He said, I almost burned down my neighbor's garage. And he's like, okay, so you're stupid. Fantasize about killing people per se, but he said, I was bullied. I was withdrawn, just like Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. And I fantasize about hurting my bullies I, because I wanted control. I didn't have any control or power. 
Get in line. And Stone says, based on your book, you seem to believe you pass on some genetic propensity for violence. And I was like, oh, sweetie, that's because he did. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's how that works. Yes. I just want to make sure I'm not. Yeah. And this is what out. happens when we don't deal with our big feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I also found it really weird watching the Netflix series that they seem to focus a lot in on Joyce's mental illness like they really made her out to be a monster and i was like whose perspective is this supposed to be from white men because jeffrey can't tell us his perspective anymore yeah and he was an unreliable narrator anyway yeah lionel also unreliable because it's only going to be from his perspective sure of course and joyce is dead is joyce dead yeah she had she had a dash the only person in this family I feel bad for is Jeffrey's younger brother because he's okay. like, he's like, I, he didn't I have the dysfunctional family. My brother was a cannibal. What the fuck? And what's he doing? I don't know. Probably just living his life and hopefully going to therapy. Hopefully going to a lot of therapy. Hopefully going to a lot of therapy. He's on the My Brother Was Jeffrey Dahmer plan, which I think you just move into the therapist's house. Another interesting thing, this is just kind of like an off, um, but Stone Phillips said it was the most unsettling encounter I've ever had in my entire career. Really? Yes. And it was also the first and last network interview that Jeffrey did because he was killed not long after this. Right. I think this was in February and he died in November or something. Okay. Um, I'm sure he would have done more. Yeah. They fucking love to talk about themselves, but he he noted a weak handshake. Ah, I hate the... (laughs) I, I hate ah, I hate that. I hate that. Webbing to webbing, firm pump. Dad, I know you're listening to this. Thanks for um, sitting. <laughs> Thanks for sitting I, through the library uh, stuff. Listen, a handshake is some, your first impression. So yeah. make it a good one. You don't have to break anybody's hands, but be firm. But close. And he also, so he had this story about how they fixated on this story, mm-hmm. that Jeffrey had the mummified head and genitals of one of his victims in a safe lockbox in his home and his father was with him i don't think they were living together but his father was with him one night and ha- and they got into an argument and the dad took the lockbox the dad his name is lionel he lionel. took he took the lockbox and brought it down to the to the basement with the intention of smashing it open to see what was inside mom of penis <laughs> jeffrey had like a meltdown about it and eventually came down to his dad he's like it's gay stuff you don't want to see it because apparently well, I mean, not apparently. Would rather be gay than a murderer, of course. <laughs> but still, dad, you know, dad was like, oh, okay, I don't want to see that. So he got the cops and his father with, it's gay stuff, you don't want to know about it. Who is the problem here? Hello? We need to pay more attention to these things. Hello? But anyways, so he has this whole story about the lockbox, right? And as he's getting up to leave the interview with Stone Phillips, he points to a box and he's like, that looks kind of like the one I was talking about. And Stone Phillips was like, so why didn't ask? Why did she bring that up? <laughs> and now we're it's turning into Geraldo. But then he started, like, Jeffrey was, like, chuckling about it. And Stone Phillips Ew. was like, please leave, sir. I don't want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> I hope he got paid time and a half for that. <laughs> Hazard pay. Um... So what we're saying is, if you want to, if you have a box that you don't want anybody to break into, just tell them it's gay, gay stuff. <laughs> gay stuff. Although nowadays I don't think anybody. Yeah, it's whatever. And they're like, okay, like, oh, I've probably seen it before. Ah, ah, whatever. Like, what did they? What did he think was like going to be in there? Like, I don't know, gun, money. Like, what do you put in a lockbox? 
What gay stuff do you did he think uh, was in there? Porn magazines, dildos. No, because I think Bette Midler CDs. Like when, what? Like how stereotypical do you want to be here? <laughs> I think when he was growing up, he did have a stash of like gay porn magazines. Okay, and that his father had seen once. Which I mean, who cares? <laughs> But it's it's just, I mean, a sign of the times, yes. But yes. it was just, it's also an example of the fact that the family never talked about anything at all. Yeah, and that's never good. Emotions, they didn't go into depth with their lives or anything like that. Jeffrey was too afraid to to come out to his family. Yeah, which is, which is unfortunately, you know, all too common. Even if it's a perceived that your family wouldn't accept you, even if they would, it's still, you know, it's still right, scary. Exactly. And his fears were grounded. Mm-hmm. Because that was enough to keep his dad out of the lockbox. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yep. Guess it is some gay shit. But he... Je- Jeffrey Dahmer... Jeffrey, Jeffrey, Jeffrey. Is the... Uh, the cor- I said this to you yesterday, and I have been waiting all podcast to say <laughs> this. You know how they said Kourtney Kardashian was the least interesting to look at? He Jeffrey Dahmer is the least interesting serial killer. There is nothing fascinating about this. Right. So if you're interested in this case, let your focus be on learning more about his victims because you learned what you learned from listening to us. No. And there's really not that much else that's interesting. It's like it's like boring. It's like not even dynamic. This isn't even exciting. I have a feeling like in the serial killer section of the afterlife, because I do not believe in hell, like, I feel like Ted Bundy's to like Jeffrey Dahmer. You know what they say? You're a homeschooled jungle freak who's a less hot version of me. (laughs) (laughs) You probably would be. (laughs) Like, that's all I can think about. I'm like, who would be saying that to Jeffrey Dahmer? I'm like Ted Bundy. Well, we got to do an episode on Ted Bundy, too. Ugh, I have a feeling I wouldn't like him either. I, I don't like, like, the weak-willed man kill. I don't, like, I don't find that, I don't like them. Yeah, I mean, he was kind of, like, the definition of toxic masculinity, but, <sighs> and even aside from the murders. But he also, like, <laughs> it's like, a, be, you're a toxic man. He And um, then he murdered people. He also got caught a bunch of times. Like, he he sucked at what he did. Ew, at least be good at it. <laughs> so I think, you know, I, I think we should do like the, I, I think it's a good way to shame the serial, the ser- we are anti-serial killers here. I think calling Jeffrey Dahmer boring and uninteresting really pisses him off. So I'm going to say it one more time. Jeffrey Dahmer, you were boring and uninteresting. Notice how many tangents we went on during this podcast because you just couldn't talk about this dude right, for an exactly. hour. Exactly. And I, I, you know, a lot of it feels very textbook, and that's probably because some of the research that, you yeah. know, the information that we know now is based off of, you know, yeah. him people like him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you, I feel like if you know one, you know them all. It's like white bread serial killer. Yeah. What does it say that we have done so many podcasts that we're like, eh, Jeffrey Dahmer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's the very unexciting C-minus serial killer, Jeffrey Dahmer, not Jeffrey Donner. The Courtney Kardashian of serial yes. killers. He's laughing up at us from hell. Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I don't believe in hell, it was invented by the Catholics. But on that note, Merry effing Christmas. Merry Christmas. When is this going to be airing? The oh. 10th? Yeah. I don't know. We might have an episode airing before Christmas. No, because if we record next week, it'll be after. It'll be New Year's Eve. So we yeah. can say, what are you doing? New Year's. Mm-hmm. New Year's Eve. 
<laughs> You're such a good singer. Sorry, your ears are bleeding now. <laughs> Y'all got singer. <laughs> Y'all got singer. <laughs> oh God, what's a what's a random question? Um, toots, toots. Your turn. Uh, what have you been loving lately? What have I been loving? Um, what have I been loving lately? Mm-hmm. You first. I'm watching Wednesday Adams on Netflix, and I am loving that. I'm not doing anything holiday that I don't feel like doing. Okay. Yeah, because I am anti happy hol. I'm a, I'm an anti having happy uh, blindly happy holidays. If you want to have a happy holiday, go for it. I am pro have the kind of holiday that you need to have. And I have really rotten seasonal depression, so winter holidays are like I just need to get through them. So I have just been very openly not doing Christmassy things if I don't feel like it. I am wearing a skull shirt today. I decorated my house for Christmas yesterday. And I love that for you. Well, yeah. And I think after we left retail, well, I don't know about you, but for me personally, that was like the first time I was able to enjoy Christmas because Christmas when you work in retail is not fun. (laughs) I still work in healthcare. So there's still like a, it's still a layered thing. Yeah. And that's the thing that's like my thing with the holidays is that I find them so layered and so complicated that they're, they're presented as being so saccharine. Mm. that it really just bothers me. It's capitalism. It's all to get you to spend money and stuff. I don't want to spend money and stuff. So I don't. So what have I been loving lately? You know what I love? What? That Taylor Swift's fans have come through with um, suing Ticketmaster. That, I love that. The reason I love that has nothing to, well, little to do (laughs) with the fact that I didn't get tickets to see her. I know we're going to have a listen party and it's okay. It, it, Ticketmaster needs to be taken down multiple pegs. They're a monopoly. They shouldn't exist as they exist. Correct. They stand between fans and experiencing their, you know, favorite artists and stuff like that a yeah. lot of the time. And that shouldn't happen. That's not fair It should for not be that expensive. It should not be that expensive to see an artist. Right. I mean, everybody got to live. Everybody got to work. Everybody well, yeah. got to keep their lights on. But it should be that You hear stories expensive. of people way before us, you know, back in like the, even, well, even in the 90s, you stand in line for a ticket. You pay 25 bucks and you see, I don't know, the Red Hot Chili Peppers or whatever. Well, it's, not, <laughs> like, it's yeah. not that complicated. Exactly. It should not be bazillions of dollars. Right. You pay 50 bucks and then $400 <clears throat> in fees. Like, that's Ticketmaster. Yeah. They need to be sued. I don't and like that. Et cetera. More stuff, too. Sued, et cetera, et cetera. They need to be de- broken up, which the government can do. Break up monopolies. Really? They've chosen not to. Yes. I'm stunned. So, you can find us on facebook at biopsychosocial a podcast and instagram at biopsych pod fuck twitter fuck twitter check out our patreon though for one dollar you get a shout out Mm -hmm. for three dollars you get a video of us early before we post the podcast a whole day early and you get to see the unedited version of the video which means you get to hear kayla's cats knock shit over you get to hear the bloopers the bloopers the whole thing is a blooper the guffaws (laughs) The gaffs, the goofs. The gaffs. The the wacky shenanigans. Be kind to yourself. Don't kill people and dismember them and eat them. You don't have to <laughs> you don't have to kill people to have sex with meat. Yeah. Also Te- like technically we- you're always having sex with me. That's true. But like consenting meat, I hope. Consenting meat. Oh. And meat that you like, hopefully. Okay, this this is getting weird. <laughs> Bye. We love you. Love you. Bye. My ankle's asleep.